Well, as we start this new series, we're going to do like we did with the last series and keep building week after week and keep adding, in this sense, just another word or two each and every week to continue to build on the theme. So we'll stop at love this week because that's the theme. But I want you every week to hear the lead up to this, much like we did with the previous series. Because what, what Paul has to say to the Galatians leading up to it, he needs us to contrast with what he's saying to us now. So you need to know what not to do before you know what you should do. So listen to the list of what you should not do as well. But through it all, I invite you to hear the Word of God. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the word of our Lord. And I believe this to be the truth for my life. And I believe this to be the truth for your life as well. So as we hear God's word for us today, shall we pause for a moment to meditate upon the scripture and to ask the Lord to help us in the understanding of it. And as we do so, I would offer up a prayer on your behalf and ask that you would lift one up for me as well. Let us pray together. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is going to be a fun study. By the end of this, you are going to know what we need to look like to the world so that they can see Christ in and through us. That's the purpose of this list of these nine, watch this, fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is not nine fruits. Because if it were nine fruits, it would make it sound like you have a choice. I mean, seriously, have you ever gone to the produce aisle and at one time bought nine different fruits? You only ever buy three, four, five at the most. I mean, that, you would overwhelm people with too much taste if you put nine different fruits in a salad. So you don't get to pick and choose this. What this is saying is our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are blessed in the Holy Spirit, and this is what a Christian will look like as a result. In these nine ways, not one or two, all nine of them. That's really important. We don't get to pick and choose. We must model all nine of these on a day-to-day -day basis. So what Paul is saying is simply this. Our being in the Spirit is not indicated by you going around telling people, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Hey everybody, look at me, I'm a Christian. Your being a Christian is indicated by the way you act. That's what people see. 
words are inconsequential at this point. Because if you say you're a Christian, then trust me, the rest of the world, especially unbelievers, will be watching to see if you manifest and live out these nine characteristics. They know this is the way Christians are supposed to live. And frankly, that's why those on the outside refer to us here as hypocrites. Because we say, I'm a Christian, but we are not living these nine. So it should not surprise us that it begins with love. There is one fruit with nine aspects to it, and the first and incredibly important one is simply that of love. We shouldn't be surprised by that. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. That's where it starts. The point I'm making is this. Can you even begin to imagine a Christian without love? Alright, I'll give you this. Let's say you do all the other eight fruit perfectly well. You're the best in all the other eight of anybody in the entire world. But you lack love. Would that be a Christian? A Christian without love? How can that be? That's why it's first. This is critical. It is so critical that Jesus, you heard in the John passage, brings love to a commandment status. Now, Jesus had a lot of really important teachings. I mean, they are incredibly weighty. I, I would say as, as important as love. But of everything Jesus teaches, the only thing he elevates to command status is love. A new command I give you. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, whatever you do, don't stop at love one another. Don't put a period there. If you put a period there, you will stop, you will close your Bible, and then you will go out and think, I know what love is supposed to look like. That's not what Jesus says. He keeps reminding the disciples, us, that we have to remain in this love. We have to continue to reconnect with this love of Christ so that we will know what the love of Jesus is like. So we're talking about Jesus' love, not worldly love. This is specific. That we are to love each other as Jesus has loved us. And you're sitting there thinking, well, how do we do that, Pastor? Read your Bible. I'm full of real easy answers. No more complex than that. Read your Bible and begin to understand what Jesus does. Because then the absolutely critical thing that he shares just jumps off the page at me. In that John passage, four times he says, If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will do what I have told you to do. You will live what I taught you to live. You won't just go out and do it yourself. You will see what I do, and that is what you will do. That's the specific kind of love. It's not your love. It is the love of Christ flowing through us. 
If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey what I command. But I know. Trust me. We hate that part. We don't like to ban anybody. Can't we just say that we love Jesus and go out and do whatever we want? Sorry. It depends on the way Jesus loves. You don't need me to tell you that. You already know that. You already have the Holy Spirit in you that is revealing that truth to you. I'm simply bringing words to bring it up front in your mind so that you will know that for absolute sure. It is the love of Jesus. When we obey that kind of a love, that's how we love our Lord and Savior. Now, the obeying thing is really important. He says it four times. It's got to be important. Can you imagine what it would be like in a marriage without, as Paul says in another place, that husbands and wives are supposed to submit to one another, supposed to, to obey each other? What would that be like? Now, you know my lovely wife. If I, if I told her, I made it a point every day, one time to tell her I love her. But then I went out and did whatever I wanted. I was with a whole bunch of other women and everything else. Do you, do you, I know that it's funny. <laughs> She's thinking, well, there won't be that many other women that would really, really like me anyway, right? It's, no, I'm, just, I'm with you, Linda. <laughs> but even though I told her I love her, do you think she would really know that I love her? If I'm out gallivanting around and I'm never home and I'm doing all these other things? That's not love. It's not the words. It's the obeying the marriage vows we made to each other. It's obeying our life. The same as with the parenting. Love of a child for a parent is seen when the child obeys the parent. When the kids are 16, you'll, you'll know this a, a whole lot more, trust me. But you know, could you imagine a conversation with a 16-year-old? Sits the parents down and looks at them just earnestly, lovingly. I, I love you, Mom and Dad, but I'm going to disregard everything you ever taught me, and I'm going to go out and live life on my own. Would those parents feel loved? Totally disregarding everything that we taught you? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, he uses those images of marriage and parenting because those are the two biggest relationships that we have in this world. Why do you think then that God is our Heavenly Father and refers to us as His children and that when we get to heaven we are referred to as the bride of Jesus. The church is the bride of Jesus. We marry Jesus. That's the imagery. That theme continues. So if you want to marry Jesus... We've got to obey him now. I can't stress that enough. When you love someone, we have to understand it does not mean that since I love you, you go do whatever you want and it's okay with me. That's not love. Love is full of boundaries. Love is full of demands. And that's the love our Heavenly Father has shown us since day one. It's not go out and do whatever you want. Here's what I expect you to do. If you don't do that, then this will be the consequence. 
But if you obey me, if you do what I expect of you, the blessings will be overwhelming to you. That's the promise. We know that in our normal day-to-day -day relationships, why would we think our relationship with God is any different? That's what Jesus is saying. Four times Jesus says, if you love me, you must obey me. That's the only definition he gives. It doesn't give a laundry list of ways that we can love him. Just one and one only. Obey me. But then look at what he says. Because Jesus is not, not some dictator just arbitrarily shouting out commands to us. He says, you do one thing for me. You obey me. Look at what we get in return. In just that short John passage. Obey Jesus and we receive the counselor. The counselor will remain with us forever. If we obey Jesus, God the Father will love you. If we obey Jesus, Jesus will love us. And he will, quote, show himself to us. If we obey Jesus, God will make his home with us. If we obey Jesus, the Holy Spirit who is remaining with us forever, remember, quote, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. If we obey Jesus, your joy will be complete. We do one thing and we get all this in return. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. We get a counselor. I mean, are you willing to join me in admitting that we are knuckleheads and we don't know what we're doing? Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody with us day and night to counsel us, to lead us? That's what is offered to us. You get the counselor. It is awesome and incredible. Now don't get hung up on Judas's question of, you know, why are you only revealing yourself to a few of us, Jesus, and not to the rest of the world? Look what Jesus says. Love me by obeying me. Because he's already said, if we obey him, we will see him. 2,000 years ago, it doesn't matter. We get to see Jesus today when we obey him. If anyone loves me, Jesus says, we will be assured of his presence in our lives. That's the promise. But now that sounds great for us, doesn't it? But the most important aspect of all of this is found in 15.8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, again singular, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, all those blessings are not just designed for you. They are designed so that you will bear fruit. You will be a disciple. You will lead others to Christ. That's what Christians who obey Jesus do. We make more Christians. We reproduce. If you say you love Jesus then you are going to exhibit love and joy and peace and patience and all of that. It is going to come out of you. It is going to be a blessing to others. And the purpose of that is so that we can show another person who Jesus is. That's what it's all about. It begins with love, but trust me, it's going to keep growing and growing. Love is not love until you give it away. An action. So you talk all you want. 
But one small action is going to be worth more than a thousand words. Our purpose as Christians is to love as we have been loved. We simply follow the perfect example of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. May God so bless and keep us. Amen.